0: Presented by the United States Sentencing Commission, this is Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast for federal sentencing practitioners covering topics of interest. Here is your host, Rachel Pierce.
1: Hello, and welcome to Sentencing Practice Talk. I am Rachel Pierce, and today I am joined by my colleague, Evese Baissa. Hi. Welcome back. Thank you. It's nice to have you back. Uh, So this episode today is part of a larger series that we've been working on in which we are finding what we like to call the teachable moments from some of our breakout sessions that we had at the 2019 National Seminar in New Orleans. So we're going to talk to you today about one of the breakout sessions that I know you facilitated, which was relevant conduct in guns and drugs. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. Okay. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about sort of how you approached that breakout session, um, whether you use scenarios or lecture or sort of your overall approach to the the session itself? Uh,
2: thank you. <laughs> well, um, so relevant conduct in guns and drugs was, it's a pretty big issue, mm-hmm. obviously, in our line of work. Guns mm-hmm. and drugs make up, they're one of the big four. Right. Um, so I was trying to find scenarios that uh, sort of implicated both drugs and guns because these are the types of offenses that people are more likely to encounter together. Sure, um, It's pretty common. And so just to hit on some pitfalls, see where um, we could sort of hit the big picture highlights of relevant conduct, um, but in terms of scenarios, I used about three scenarios with multiple questions okay. in each. So one scenario had like three or four questions attached. Different to it.
1: variations of uh,
2: yes, 15. different questions mm-hmm. that you can come up with, um, and sort of different guideline application based on like pretty limited set of facts. Okay, um, I think overall people did pretty well. Okay, um, we had two sessions. Mm -hmm. and I thought overall people um, got, you know, for most questions, the majority got the right answer. Sounds like there's a but there. (laughs) It's not a but. It's more of there's – you know, you, the beauty of clickers. I think you already talked mm-hmm. about clickers and all the information that we can collect. You know, you can see from session to session sort of where people or like certain discrete issues where people are still struggling. And I think when mm-hmm. we talk about them, you'll see that it's the same questions that, you know, we continue to get on helplines. So I think it's worth um repeating and sort of highlighting those right and
1: i think the thing i love the most about the clickers or one of the things anyway is that real-time feedback right of you know us knowing where everyone in the audience is Mm -hmm. and vice versa so
2: and also even being able to compare like two sessions absolutely because Mm -hmm. if you have two sessions and in both of the sessions you know a majority of people got this one question wrong sure then i think one you have to double check that your question was right (laughs) um and clear but also to see like oh this appears to be um an issue sort of across the board
1: and not like particular session. Okay so speaking of issues where where did you see the issues emerge in your sessions I mean were there there takeaways or like 3 or 4 or whatever however many issues that you saw continually be a problem
2: yeah, and I think I think the big one because um, I know we talk about drugs and guns, and I think people think of guideline application. Mm-hmm. The big one seemed to me to be sort of the effect of a nine twenty four c oh, of course, on guideline mm-hmm. applications. Um, so I had one scenario where a defendant was convicted of a gun offense, drug offense, like felon in possession, possession with intent to distribute drugs. And a
1: 924C. Which is a pretty common scenario. It is. Mm -hmm.
2: And so the question was, without sort of asking it, but asking people to sort of think about the ways that a conviction for a 924C affects your guideline calculation Mm -hmm. for the other offense. And Mm -hmm. I, I think the issue is that 924C is a mandatory minimum with a set penalty. Sure, And I think people think, oh, there's no guideline for that, because why would there be it's a set mandatory minimum? Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And we do have a guideline, not for 924C, you know, it's 2K, uh, Mm 2.4. And it doesn't tell you penalties. You know, the good stuff, as you know, (laughs) is always in the application notes. Right. And so the reason that guideline is important is because it tells you, how to calculate or the effect of a 924C on the actual guideline calculation for underlying offenses. Mm -hmm. And so one of the questions was, are you going to apply a gun enhancement when you do the calculation under 2D Mm 1.1 for drugs? 50-50, right? It's like, yes or no. (laughs) So you had a 50-50 chance that it actually split 50-50 or 49-51. So pretty evenly in both sessions.
1: And then, That's interesting.
2: Yeah, I love 50-50. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the follow-up was, and then when you go to the gun guideline,
1: mm-hmm.
2: are you going to apply the using the gun in connection with? Mm-hmm. Again, 50-50. Sure. Got it. Well, 50
1: percent got it right. Yeah. So 50 percent really are reading the application notes.
2: Yes. Or 50 (laughs) percent remembered somewhere that they heard Mm -hmm, that you weren't supposed to do it. Mm -hmm. And so I think, again, my takeaway is that when you have a 924C, and again, no matter what your underlying offense is, because there's lots of underlying offenses that have uh, enhancements for weapons. And so just to be careful uh, and sort of recognize that a 924C isn't just a penalty at the end. It mm-hmm. actually affects your guideline calculations for the guideline offenses.
1: Right. And I really like that you brought up that point that it it has a guideline associated with it. It does. And so the, while the guideline itself may look different mm-hmm. than every other guideline, there's no base offense level, no right. specific offense characteristics. That's probably the reason why people forget about it. Yeah. Uh, but you make also a very good point that there are application notes associated with that guideline, and right. that's where all the nuggets of information are that help you apply.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely think that's that continues to be one. And then as I was writing this up, I was like, you know, I think Rachel and I actually talked about mm. this. So I looked through <laughs> our podcasts, and we did do a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's actually episode 13, um, mm-hmm. and it's on our website. And I think it's more of a deep dive into this issue where we sort of talk about even other underlying
1: uh, enhancements that may be affected by this. So just a plug for that. Excellent. I love it. I love it. Uh, So what was another issue that you saw that uh, sort of reared its head in your breakout sessions?
2: Well, the one that I think continues, it's my favorite. It's sort of how I teach relevant conduct, which is, you know, the age old question, is it relevant conduct or is it criminal history? Mm -hmm. And again, I think generally people sort of at least could trouble spot the issue and figure it out. Where I think, and this continues to be an issue, is what do you do when conduct that's that would otherwise be relevant conduct mm-hmm. is associated with a prior conviction and a sentence? Right. And so, again, I had another scenario, which was just drugs, and it was a conspiracy where the defendant, you know, had been sort of dealing drugs for a certain amount of time. But before the start of the offense, he also, right, mm-hmm. prior to joining the conspiracy— dealt drugs. Now Mm -hmm. we know that drug offenses are the types of offenses for which expanded relevant conduct applies. So I think people got that, that like the, the date on the indictment isn't, isn't the limit on what is and what isn't relevant conduct for drug offenses. Sure. I think where people sort of forgot or missed this rule. And even I missed the rule. Um, is that if you have what would otherwise be relevant conduct, but it's an offense associated with a prior sentence, Mm -hmm. application note 5C, again, a plug for the application (laughs) notes, (laughs) application note 5C makes it clear that you have to treat that as criminal history because it's associated with a sentence Mm -hmm. and again I think that one it was about 60% got it wrong Hmm. Um, but you know because we had already talked about oh expanded relevant conduct you can look back don't worry about the date of the indictment Sure, but this is like a little exception to that Mm -hmm. um that you wouldn't know but i think it comes up pretty often and i think you're right about that i really do and i think you know because we talk about this when we do criminal history i you always when you're doing criminal history and relevant conduct i think it's really important to note the interplay and Mm -hmm. make sure you're not counting something as criminal
1: history when it should be relevant conduct or vice versa Mm -hmm, absolutely absolutely that's great so i i've um, been privy to your notes, and so I, I know what the next issue is. <laughs> and um, I'll just say, as a teaser, that it's a, it's a huge issue. I, I've been dealing with this issue for a number of years, and it's not gone away. It's so,
2: evergreen, is what it I call is. it. It's evergreen. So, why don't you <laughs> tell us about it? So this comes up all the time, Mm -hmm. so I'm not surprised. But again, it's important to do a plug. Mm -hmm. Um, This comes up in firearms offenses. Um, We have a specific offense characteristic about stolen firearms and obliterated serial Mm -hmm. number. And it's all contained in one specific offense characteristic. Mm -hmm. And that one says, you know, if a firearm is stolen, you add plus two. Or if it's obliterated, you add a plus four. Mm -hmm. These are offense levels. Mm -hmm. In my scenario we had weapons that were both stolen these are multiple weapons both stolen and one with an obliterated serial number mm-hmm. so the question is how do you apply that enhancement mm-hmm. do you apply 2 points for stolen firearm do you apply 4 levels for obliterated serial number or do you um add 6 levels because it is both stolen And obliterated. Right. And every time I do this, half of the yeah, roughly half say, you add plus six. Mm -hmm. And I know we get this on the helpline. All the time. Um and I think the issue comes down to your sort of separate harms. Because people are saying, well, if you have a gun that is stolen, that is a separate harm from a weapon that is that has an obliterated serial number. Mm -hmm. So somehow the guidelines should be accounting. For both harms mm-hmm. um, and the answer is you can only do either a plus two or a plus four but never both right um, so the answer is just four right and mm-hmm. if you have both it's still plus four um, the guideline is written in alternative it says yes. or
1: right right not and and I think you're I, I agree to, I agree with your point that the argument that's made is that there's well there's two separate harms here um, but just to reinforce what you just said it's an either or application. Right. Either it, or. It's confusing, but, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here to teach. <laughs> we are. Um, we're but, here to reinforce. Uh, you know, I will say that
2: um, I thought that the feedback that we got from the sessions was really good. Mm-hmm. And um, I was sort of, har- it always it warms my heart when after the session, people mm-hmm. come up to me and they say, you know, I really learned something important today, Mm -hmm. or I had been doing this wrong the whole, you know, for a year, and now I'm so glad. And so I think, you know, we can never teach relevant conduct
1: too much for sure <laughs> sure and, and I actually the, the point about evaluations is such a good one I mentioned that in one of our previous episodes in this series mm. and one of the evaluations that we got on on one of the exercises that we did was that was a light bulb moment for me right and I and I feel the same way as you I mean when you have someone come say to you oh my gosh that was a light bulb moment or I've been doing it wrong all these years thank you so much that's kind of what we're here for right so it warms my heart it as does. an instructor. Me too. <laughs> Same here. So. so thank you very much for joining us today. Really appreciate your feedback and uh, look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks, Rachel.
0: This wraps up our episode of Sentencing Practice Talk. Today brought to you by the United States Sentencing Commission. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check back often for new topics. Sentencing Practice Talk, a regular podcast on federal sentencing issues. Please be advised that information provided by the Commission staff is offered to assist in understanding and applying the sentencing guidelines. The information does not necessarily represent the official position of the Commission, should not be considered definitive, and is not binding upon the Commission, the Court, or the parties in any case.